0: This is the Adventure Sports Podcast brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Episode 262, John Luchassur, Biking, Climbing, and Hiking. Hi friends, this is Kurt. You know, I've been looking for ways to bring more value to the content that we offer on the Adventure Sports Podcast. And I think that what we offer is hugely valuable already, but maybe I'm biased about that. But with the summer adventure season coming on, I thought it might be fun to have Michelle Shea back on to talk to us about ways to eat while on adventures and Michelle has a website, theadventurediningguide.com. And we visited at length about all of this back on episode 244. But Michelle's an expert on adventure cooking and, and wilderness cooking and backpacking cooking and all that sort of thing. So we're going to have Michelle on for a few shows before the main guest to share some recipes with you, maybe to inspire some better eating for your summer adventures. So, Michelle, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you so much for having me back. I'm so excited to share this with everybody.
0: Oh, you bet. Well, Michelle, give us a little bit of your backstory. Who is Michelle, first of all?
1: First of all, yeah, she was a snowboarder. She still is a snowboarder. I was a competitive snowboarder that brought me around the world and introduced me to a lot of different people, their cooking style, their cuisines. And it really inspired me to be more conscious about what I eat and health and nutrition and just how eating good food benefits your overall performance. And that really led me to Create Adventure Dining Guide because I wanted an outlet where I could research different opportunities to make my adventure a little bit more delicious. And that's kind of the base behind Adventure Dining Guide is I want you to eat civilized miles from civilization.
0: Well, and the listeners, if they've been listening long, they know that I complain about this a lot because (laughs) (laughs) I've had far too much dehydrated food on my backpacking trips and not that it's a bad thing. I think I will always use dehydrated food on my backpacking trips, Michelle. But I want to supplement it with more standard meals, and that's why you're here. So even if it's not a backpacking trip, maybe it's a, a river trip or or a backcountry skiing trip, or maybe you're on some sort of an extended biking trip or motorcycle trip, you need ways to cook out in the field in a way that um, is more like cooking at home. And that's what you're offering us. So I'm excited about that.
1: I'm excited to share. There's there's so many fun things you can do. And I've heard the same problem from a lot of people is that it gets to a point where you just get sick of eating the exact same thing. And I really wanted to f- encourage people to try other options. And it's a lot easier than a lot of people think it is. You know, it's kind of this overwhelming, daunting task when it comes to planning a trip. And you already have so many things going on that adding food on top of that, A lot of people just say, okay, I'll grab something quick, I'll get something easy, but in the end, you're suffering because you're not getting good nutrition, your body is not excited about what it's eating, and you're not looking forward to your meals. So you have this hard day of working in the backcountry, and you get mush, and it's not fair, and I want to encourage you to eat better and have things that you're excited and looking forward to eating.
0: Right on. Well, I like the sound of that a lot, (laughs) so… One thing I wanted to mention about Adventure Dining Guide, because I think this is so cool. If you go to AdventureDiningGuide.com, Michelle has set it up kind of with this matrix where you can say, well, this is my sport and this is the kind of food I like, or, or this is the adventure style that I'm going to do. And so the recipes are categorized so that they're conducive for whatever your sport is. And I think that yes. is super cool. So I wanted to throw that out there so our listeners would know that this is a great
1: resource. Thank you. Yep. And if you ever have a recipe that you want to share, something you're really excited about, please send it to me because this is a community and everybody has their own style of cooking and eating and there's no one right way. So if you have something great and you want to share it, send it to me and I'll put it on the site and we'll build our recipe repertoire.
0: So Michelle, before we dive into the first recipe here, I would like to know a little bit more about what you're doing right now. So you're in Lake Tahoe area right now and I'm sure you have some amazing adventures planned for this summer. So what's on the books?
1: Honestly, it's really weather depending at the moment. We've had such a big winter. So if we can stretch winter out as long as they're predicting until June and July, it's going to be a lot of backcountry snowboarding. We'll do some hut trips. We'll try and do some snow camping. And then once it starts melting, we can get into more of the backpacking season. Um, I really just am an avid outdoors woman. So whatever I can find in try and really have never gotten into climbing I really want to do more of that this summer it's just this is such an opportunistic area for enjoying the great outdoors and so based on the weather and what friends are uh, the companies available that's kind of what I like to to seize Um, I am doing a trip with the Alpenglow which is a local snowboarding and ski shop here in Tahoe City so we're going to do a women's backpacking trip and I'm really looking forward to that in June
0: Right on. It sounds great. And I'm looking forward to trying your recipes on my backpacking and 14er trips this summer. So, well, let's dive into one of those recipes. What is the recipe for today?
1: Today's recipe, we're going to be making Verde Enchiladas. And the reason I picked this is because this is a great, really hearty, tons of big flavors, but it's actually something that you can share with a lot of people. So if you've got a group or if you've got a couple friends, this is a phenomenal recipe. And I like it because everybody can have a quick and easy job to contribute, and then it's a nice, slow-cooking recipe. So you can enjoy, relax, sit by the fire, hang out with your friends, and then have a great meal. Yeah, so to cook it, all we need to do is uh, we're going to be using our 180 stove. And what's great about this stove is that we can get our embers going, and then it's a medium to low-cook meal, so we can lightly fuel the fire as needed. Um, And I say cook is a light word because this is more of a melting meal. I really just want to have more of an oven type of environment where I'm going to be melting all the flavors together and really getting that salsa to blend in with all my big flavors so we get that nice spicy pop in there. But not too spicy, (laughs) based on your own style, of course.
0: Well, I had to throw this out there. I mean, enchiladas, Yep. you know, you think of that as something that you have to do in a kitchen. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't think about being able to do enchiladas in the woods. So how do you make this work in the woods?
1: Okay, yep. Yeah. So the first thing that we need is a good nonstick pan. That's kind of the key to this. And you can use a lot of light backpacking pans to cook on. Um, and the second thing we need to do is just be conscious of our ingredients. So this is something that you can change and mix to your own liking, of course. But here's kind of our base ingredients. So we're going to need tortillas, canned chicken, cheese, Um, either Tapatio or Cholula salsa based on your liking, a little bit of olive oil, and Be Ready salsa. This is the key. It's uh, dehydrated salsa packs, and they're easy to find. Um, It's a company based out of Oregon, and they're making some really great flavors. So just pick up a couple of those, and then you just rehydrate it with some water. So the first step is, of course, rehydrating your salsa. And you can put a little bit of this aside and eat it with chips so you have something to snack on while you're cooking. And then for the tortilla part, you I mean these are all really great backcountry friendly ingredients. So, we're just going to take a tortilla, grate a little bit of cheese in there, and this is why you can give your friends jobs so everybody kind of has something to do. One person can hold the tortilla, the other person can grate some cheese, add a little bit of canned chicken, and just wrap the tortilla up, place it on your pan, of your cooking pan, and then line up your enchiladas. Then we're going to just take a bunch of that salsa, pour it on top, pour some inside if you want. And then cover your pan. So if you don't have a lid, you can use um, aluminum foil. You can use something else to a different pot or some sort of hard material that you have to put on top of it. But you just want to create an oven environment within that pot. And you're just melting all your flavors together. And you're just going to get some probably, you know, depending on your heat, should take about 20 to 30 minutes to cook. And at the end, you're just going to get these piping, hot, melty, full of flavor enchiladas.
0: Wow. So this sounds like it needs to cook slowly, right? Definitely. Yep. And so I would recommend, you know, we have two stoves, the 180 flame and the 180 stove. So if you're using one of our natural fuel stoves, I would recommend the 180 stove for this. It's the bigger one. Mm
1: -hmm. And the
0: the reason is that you can put some large size sticks in there and get some really good sized coals going, a nice bed of embers that will slow heat that. And you also might want to think about putting a layer of aluminum foil down between the stove and the pan, just to reflect a little of the heat off in case it does get a little bit warm. Because I don't think it would be good to scorch this. Definitely so, not. Yep. Okay, so that would probably be how to cook on the 180 stove with that.
1: Perfect. Yep. Like I said, this is something you can personalize. You can add hot sauce packets, different type of cheeses based on your liking. You know, and if you're not a meat eater. Throw some veggies in there if you have dehydrated veggies and you want to rehydrate them. I mean, it's, again, just based on your needs, but it has such big flavors, and it's a light dish that you can kind of, like you said, put on the embers, let it heat up. You're not cooking it. You're just warming it. So great, great meal for the backcountry.
0: Wow. So I've never had enchiladas in the backcountry, and that sounds really, really good. I'm going to have to try that. Matter of fact, I'm going to try that in the backyard just to see what, what kind of fun I can have.
1: Perfect. Yeah. And it's it's something you can make at home too. So it's if you want to experiment at home. I mean I like to have foods that I want to eat at home in the backcountry. So make it at home.
0: Yeah, very cool. And one more time, what was that dehydrated salsa? I was not familiar with that.
1: It's called Be Ready. So B Period R E D I Salsa. And they have I think four or five different flavors. It just comes in different packets and it's sort of um I believe it was a Mexican restaurant that started making dehydrated salsas and i got introduced to them and i love them i've used them for quite a few recipes and they're home runs
0: right on michelle thank you very much for today's recipe and we're going to have you back on on some future shows to do the same so listeners check back often so you can hear more about backcountry cooking tips from michelle shea
1: thank you very much and please visit adventurediningguide.com let me know if you have any recipes and happy travels be safe out there Thanks, Michelle. Thank you, guys.
0: I have a unique show for you today. This is not the same format that we normally have. Today, I'm interviewing a fellow podcaster who recently started his own show called Of Mountains and Men, and he's a man with a common passion and a common heart about the value of adventure sports. So I thought it might be fun for us to kind of compare notes and ask each other questions and then also uh, to dive in a little bit more about the value of adventure sports in general. So first, I want to introduce you to John, and I'm going to say the last name here, and I'm going to let him say it after me. You can see how close I get. Le Chasseur. No, it wasn't even close. John, how do you say it?
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, Le Chasseur. It's French. You're, You're excused. It's fine.
0: So, Lucia Saar. That was close. still not there.
2: Dad, <laughs> it's yeah, okay. It's okay.
0: It's not my tongue. I apologize. But, John, welcome to the program. We're excited to have you here today.
2: Hey, thank you, Kurt. Thanks for having me. How are you?
0: Uh, doing really well. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a fun ride these last two years on the Adventure Sports Podcast, and it's fun to make your acquaintance and uh, kind of compare notes and see how things are going for you, so... I understand. You said that you are a climber, you're a cyclist, and a hiker. How long have you been doing these sports?
2: Okay, so uh climbing, I've been doing it for a couple months now. Uh I mean I met uh I met a girl, right? Uh like uh, most stories start. I met say. a girl and Yeah, and she she was into it uh a lot uh when she was she's French, right? So uh, she was doing it a lot in France, and uh, she was looking for a partner to start back here uh, in Canada, where I am. And then, you know, I've always wanted to try it, but that's the biggest uh, gatekeeper in climbing is that you absolutely need a partner to do it. Oh yeah. yeah. So I, I, you know, I never even thought of any other avenue of finding a partner. I just thought, you know, well, I don't have a partner, so that's it for me. And then I met her and we started climbing together and I've been doing it uh, for, I'm going to say six months. Six months.
0: So that's a lot. So you're in Montreal, is that right? I am. Yeah. And so I'm sure that some of our listeners are going to say, well, what's it like there? So. Um, we'll come back to, to climbing and cycling and stuff, but so you're climbing in Canada. Where do you climb in those areas?
2: I've climbed in a gym mostly because it's been, you know, fall and winter here and fall and winter in Canada is no joke. Uh, there's, there's ice climbing everywhere. Uh, there's a lot of waterfalls. There's a lot of ice climbing, but, uh, that's a whole other set of gear and I just don't possess it. So I, I didn't try it this season. Uh, so I've been mostly going in a gym, but I'm, uh, taking my classes to do lead climbing and, uh, which means that you don't need a rope already fixed at the top of the route. Right. Right. Uh, so I'm, I'm learning to do that. And once I'm, uh, certified in lead climbing, I'll be able to go at crags and, uh, experience that. So there's, uh, the Appalachian mountains about like an hour and a half from montreal and then there's the laurentian mountains another hour and a half but completely on the uh, in the opposite direction so i've got basically two sets of mountains uh because the the saint lawrence river is basically it's a valley between these two sets of mountains
0: well i actually made it to montreal many many years ago and my memory is so foggy about it (laughs) but i do remember that it was a really neat place i enjoyed myself a lot there
2: it is a cool city. It's super diverse, so yeah, nobody judges. It's it's uh it's pretty cool. There's um and there's a good uh, adventure scene too. There's a lot of uh you know groups and uh, communities, so it's a it's a it's a good city to live in. It's not far from anything. Uh, you can find you know mountains, as I've said, uh, a short drive away, and there's uh, the river where you can do all sorts of water sports. So uh, it's a cool place to live.
0: Well, and you're not far either from just amazing forest land that, you know, the North American continent, I think Canada still holds the the vast majority of the wild forests. It's just so beautiful with so many lakes and rivers, and and you're not that far from that. Oh, no,
2: I'm not. And um, yeah, there's the uh, right above Maine, uh, you've got the eastern townships uh, of Quebec, and uh, it's basically kind of the same um terrain and it's kind of the same wilderness right uh it's uh it's beautiful it's just like maine uh but right here and uh, i mean montreal itself uh as i've said it's an island so it's pretty small and there's not too much to do on the island but you're close to everything so
0: very cool so you're also a cyclist and i think you've been doing that a little longer right
2: Oh, yeah. I've uh, started cycling <clears throat> uh, two years ago. Uh, seriously, I've always cycled, you know, but I've started doing it uh, for real because I got a job that was much closer to my place. So I had only six kilometers, didn't make sense to buy a bus pass, and I decided to start commuting. And uh, once I started cycling every day, uh my just my cardio shot up. My brain chemistry got so much better, and um, my general overall fitness improved so much that I was I had all this energy now that I needed to spend. So, that's basically what brought me to do everything else. Dro- drove me to find all those activities to to, to spend that energy that I now had.
0: Your testimony there is a lot of what the adventure sports podcast is about. When people get out and start doing something, there are all sorts of benefits on the side. You know, you don't you don't necessarily cycle just for the the sake of cycling alone. You said there are other benefits, right?
2: Oh yeah, no, for sure.
0: So, you decided to start your podcast of Mountains and Men, and it is about adventuring, right? So, why did you choose that topic and uh, what are your goals for your show?
2: Mm. Um, well, I, I've wanted to, to, to have a creative outlet for the longest time. I, it's not the first time I try, but it's the first time I really work hard at it. And it's, you know, it's the first time that it's catching fire. So, uh, I've always thought that radio was a cool media and, uh, podcast is basically, you know, the right way to do radio. And, uh, I just needed to find the right subject and every time I was talking about adventure and how, you know, everyone should, you know, commute by bike if they can and everyone should go hike on the weekend. And just, I, I started being that guy at the party that just never shut up about, uh, you know, how the outdoors are so amazing and just, I can't wait to go to the, uh, you know, to, 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 to the park and I just can't wait to go hiking and, and uh i realized that i was really really passionate about it so that that's when the spark hit you know that i i wanted to to do something i just needed the 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 subject matter and realizing that i you know i just that's all i would talk about i thought well you know maybe i need to talk to you know maybe i need to get this in front of people
0: sure you bet well, I agree with your passion. Obviously, all our listeners know I am crazy passionate about adventure sports because of all the benefits that they offer—not just for the sport, although the sports are so much fun—but for life in general. Um, you know, I'm just a
2: crazy fan of that. So,
0: I applaud you for choosing that. I think we're on the same page, man.
2: Yeah, we're singing the same song for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I meant to ask. Uh, I know that you do mountain biking because I've seen a few pictures. Uh, how long have you been doing that for (laughs) a few pictures?
0: So I should, I should throw this out there just because you, you mentioned it. We do have an Instagram account out there. People, I don't, we've never even said it on the show, but if you (laughs) want to see what we're up to Instagram, we're, uh, we're, we've only been doing Instagram for a little while, so it's growing. But if you want to see the pictures we're talking about, that's, that's where you can see it. So mountain biking. Let's see. I got married, believe it or not, 22 years ago to my wonderful wife, and it was around that same time that I started mountain biking. Okay. The thing was, I didn't have a mountain bike. I had been a road biker for a long time, a distance Mm. road biker before that. I did not have a mountain bike, but when I got married, my wife did. Now, this is a 1980-something heavy steel frame, you know, no shocks, suspension clunker. (laughs) <laughs> but as soon as we got married, I started mountain biking with that, every chance I got.
2: Yeah, hardtail, old school.
0: Yep, hardtail, hard forks. <laughs> I mean, you know, really, it was, it was one of the earliest mountain bikes uh, designed. Even the cranks were really short, and the carriage was a little low, so you bang on rocks. And But, hey, it was, it was a ton of fun. So that was 22 years ago. But to be candid, mountain biking really didn't happen until my son started racing. In high school, and now he's in his second year of college. So I guess that would be six years ago. Okay. And he started racing for a high school league out of Golden, Colorado, and the league's for all of Colorado, obviously. But when he started racing, then we invested in and in trying to upgrade our bikes and and start doing it more often. And so I guess it's probably been you know five or six years since I started doing it as uh, just more of a. A
2: frequent sport. Okay. And do you basically, like, do you guys do mostly downhill, or do you... Have you ever tried enduro, or... What what, what type of uh, mountain biking competitions does he do?
0: They're cross-country races. Okay, okay. uh, They're not downhill races. People are using the cross-country bikes, for the most part, and racing bikes. And uh, there's quite a bit of climbing, quite a bit of downhill involved, but, you know, it's a full circuit. So his races... Um, and my, my, uh, second oldest son is now racing as well. Dan is racing, but the races are, uh, depends on what age group you're in, but they're anywhere from 12 to 20 miles or so mm-hmm. roughly. And so there are multiple laps around what's usually a, a six to eight mile course, okay, something like that. And there'll be sometimes, uh, a thousand vertical feet of climbing per lap, so by the time you do three laps, you know, you've done 3,000 verts, and that's that's nothing to sneeze
2: at. No, you've climbed a mountain by that point.
0: Yeah, and the races are all around Colorado. Um, one of them in, in Leadville is over 10,000 feet in elevation. All the races are at elevation of some sort. You know, this is Colorado, so that's just kind of the way that it is. So, yeah, those are the kinds of of races that they do. When we go out for a fun ride, it's usually something similar, but... You know, we may ride for five or six hours instead of just a race. And Colorado has thousands of miles of trails. And so single track trail riding with a lot of technical rocky sections, a lot of climbs, a lot of really fun downhills. That's the kind of stuff we do.
2: Oh, awesome! Yeah, I mean, uh, mountain biking—I've tried it many times, and I've done fat bike a little bit. And like, the skill barrier is pretty significant. I realized that, oh wow, okay, this is a completely different thing, and I do need to, you know, it's it's uh, the the yeah the the, the I, I'm I was gonna say the skill barrier again, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that you need to train for and to to, to uh. But but have you found that your um, road cycling uh, background uh, carried through to mountain biking or
0: i think it, when it comes to strength certainly um, road riding is awesome for building up your physical fitness for mountain biking and matter of fact one of my good friends is is a very successful uh, pro mountain bike racer and i say well how do you get good and he says you got to ride your bike to the trail then do the trail yeah. So his point is, it's the time on the flats where you build up your stamina and your strength. So definitely it helped in that way. But to be really candid, I was surprised. I used to ride dirt bikes, motorcycles as well. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, man, I've got the skill. I, I ride motorcycles. I've, I've been riding bikes all these years. And then I got on the single track. And the trails are often pretty narrow. They might be as narrow as, as eight inches, Sometimes you know they're three feet, which is nice. When you have a three foot wide trail, you feel like you're on a super highway. But <laughs> when you're on a curvy, you know, call it 18 inch trail that's full of rocks and and roots and obstacles, then I was like, whoa! There's a whole new level of skill here that I did not have. I uh, I took a couple of skills clinics. Uh, my sons, being racers, of course, took some skills clinics, and they taught me what they learned as well. And I started practicing. And uh, I actually did a show, if uh, our listeners want to go back and listen to it, on how to get started in mountain biking and build your skill. And it's not that I'm super skilled, as I said in that show. It's more a matter of I've just had all these clinics, so I know the techniques. Now I have to get really good at them. I'm still working on that.
2: Yeah, no, it's definitely uh, the the little bit that I did, uh, I realized how, you know, learning how to, you know, position yourself and how to use your hips. And it's, it's very intricate and it's definitely, uh, it's definitely something that you, you know, it's, uh, it has a, I found that it has a high skill entry level, you know, it's not something that you can just pick up a mountain bike and go down, you know, a very intricate trail. You need to start slow and build up to to, the, 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 tough stuff.
0: Yeah. And I, it really kind of humbled me, John, Mm. Because, like I said, I'd done so much biking and motorcycle riding. I thought, oh, this will be a no-brainer. But, wow. No. It Be patient if <laughs> it's you're a, a new mountain biker. Yeah. You know, it takes a while. And it really, really helps to to take a skills clinic, learn some of the tricks of the trade. Even just steering a mountain bike. You don't do it the way you think you do. And I won't go into detail right now. But it's not what you think. <laughs> so.
2: Yeah, it's a ass kicker for sure. I mean, it's kind of like urban riding. I've... I've... Uh, strangely, usually, cyclists hate urban riding. They hate the streets and everything. I kind of love it. I've done a little bit of messenger work, and uh, I I don't know, it's just it's another set of skills that you need to develop, and it's very much a mental game. And I was realizing uh, when I did some mountain biking that, you know, it's kind of the same. You need to be aware of everything that's in front of you and around you, and you need to kind of have a plan for what's coming, and it's not like you know uh um road ra- road riding where you know what's important is your cadence and you know your self awareness and realizing that you know you need to ride the red line but not hit the wall and so it's a different type of riding completely but yeah but uh i mean the so living in colorado uh I'm I'm going to guess that uh since you've got mounds in your backyards, uh it you're you're probably not in a huge urban center, right?
0: No. Matter of fact, my family and I live at eight thousand six hundred feet mm. and we're in the, the foothills of the Rockies in Boulder County, but with a golden milling address. So if people could probably pinpoint where we are based on that. But <laughs> we live in the forest and uh That's awesome. just love it. Yeah, we really enjoy it.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Cool.
3: Founded and operated in Colorado, Catabatic Gear is driven by the premise that ultralight backpacking equipment should be made lighter through innovative design and advanced materials, not by simply stripping components. With intuitive features and the best, most advanced materials, Katabatic Gear's sleeping bags, backpacks, and accessories strike the perfect balance between ultralight weights and ultimate comfort that will change the way you think about backpacking. If you are considering lightening the load on your next backpacking trip, check out some of their award-winning gear at katabaticgear.com. That's K-A-T-A-B-A-T-I-C-gear.com.
0: Bent Gate Mountaineering, located in Golden, Colorado, has been outfitting backcountry travelers for the last 20 years. Spring has sprung, but there's still a lot of great skiing in the backcountry, and it's prime time to check out the latest in alpine touring, telemark, NTN, and splitboarding gear. Bent Gate carries the premier brands, including... Black Crows, DPS, Dinafit, G3, Icelandic, K2, Rocky Mountain Underground, Rosignol Solomon, Voli, Never Summer, and Jones. With more people in the backcountry than ever, it's crucial to be prepared. Bentgate has the latest in avalanche safety gear from beacons to airbags. Come in and they will set you up with a proper gear and point you in the right direction to educate yourself on snow safety. If you don't own the gear, Bentgate offers a full range of rental and demo equipment, including the latest skis, boots, splitboards, beacons, shovels, and probes. Bentgate also hosts free demo ski days at local resorts to give you a hand hands-on opportunity to ride the latest gear. Be sure to check bentgate.com for their full product selection as well as updates on all of their events.
2: And what 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 brought you I'm going to turn the table here uh what brought you to want to do a, an adventure podcast
0: Well it's kind of funny we uh it might, we meaning Travis and I Travis Parsons and I were co-host for the adventure sports podcast of course We have been business partners for different ventures over the years um I'm going to share a few of them here we've built houses together uh we started a website That was called Adventure Socket. It was kind of like a Facebook for adventure people, so that they could share their pictures and and uh, build community and plan trips and that sort of thing. We tried that for a while, and then we ended up selling uh, backpacking stoves that we engineered and had manufactured and have been marketing. So the 180 stove, the 180 flame, and our company is 180tac.com. So there's the background. Well, as we were uh, trying to think of ways to promote our stoves, primarily. I said, well, hey, let's start a podcast. Mm. Because as we grow an audience, we'll be able to share our stoves with them, and and it'll help to get the word out about what we're doing with our stoves. And that was one of the reasons, but we also thought, you know what? A podcast sounds like a ton of fun. We do have something to share, and it could be another revenue stream to help our business. And so initially that was kind of the thought, and we chose adventure sports podcast. We chose the adventure theme because – it went with our company. We were designing outdoors products, but also because Travis and I, it's just like you mentioned, you know, we start talking about adventures. We get all excited, and and its uh, we both love various adventure sports. Travis has uh, long been a mountain biker. He uh, does a lot of motorcycle touring and, and motorcycle dirt, motorcycle riding as well. He's done a lot of camping. He's climbed some 14ers, of course. He alpine skis and snowboards. You know, so he has that background, and he came from the East Coast, so he also has done sailing, and and then you know my background was a whole other plethora of adventure sports, and we found out this is what we do all the time. Why don't we just make a show about it? So that's how we got started doing it.
2: Oh that's cool. I I guess that you know we were saying uh before that we were you know singing the same song. Yeah, I mean it, it's definitely I find you know it's through avenues like this that I decided to try it out and uh you know that I figured out new activities that I could uh do. I mean I I started adventuring on my own but then figuring out what's available and you know how to get started There's a ton of people, you know, the the hiking's been uh, gaining a lot of popularity and long distance hikes have been uh, seeing a sharp increase since, you know, Wild was released. People are just looking for the information. And if you put it in front of them, you know, most of the people are going to at least go out and try it. So that's a very, very cool uh, endeavor, I think, to, to, you know, get stories, I think. Uh, about people who go out and adventure uh, into their ears.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a ton of fun. The thing that Travis and I have mentioned on the show, John, is that our bucket list has just gotten way <laughs> too big because we interview people who've done the coolest things. It's like, dang, I've got to try that, you know? And so it, it gets to the point of, okay, I just got to put on the brakes. I'm going to have to stick with something enough that I don't, you know, spread myself too thin. I tell you, you meet the neatest people in the adventure world, and it's been such a pleasure to have them on the show and to get to visit with them and find out what they're doing. That's that's the fringe benefit I really didn't think about when we started the show, but, man, it has been
2: so much fun. No, for sure. I mean, and it is inspiring to see all the things that they do, but then they always have the freaking coolest story all the time right all the time yeah it's it's crazy you just like if you if you untangle the the shyness a little bit and you always have these crazy stories to tell
0: yeah absolutely so how many shows are you putting out now you said you're doing you're shooting for like one a week
2: oh yeah i'm definitely doing one a week that's uh that's the that's the the, the basis that i'm building on uh one a week is a definite And then, uh, I want to build up from there, obviously, but, uh, right now I just launched like, uh, two weeks ago, that was the 21st of March. So yeah, right now is what I can do because I still have to be a corporate drone for a little while. And then when I can kick that to the curb, uh, I want to do more for sure.
0: You mentioned hiking and you said that you've become a hiker and you're enjoying that. I'm just going to say this. Why would you encourage people to take up hiking if they've not done it before?
2: because it's the easiest thing you can pick up. Honestly, it's, it's got no entry level at all. Like, it, the, it barely requires any investment, and the health benefits are just absolutely crazy. I mean, this besides the the you know the the cardiovascular benefits and the uh, weight management benefits that it provides, it helps with brain chemistry so much. It's crazy. There's this um, there's this book. I need to find it. Ah, crap. I'm blanking now. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's this book where this. Uh, um, psychologist was realizing that hey uh every time i uh have a patient who starts you know going outdoors and just being outside they feel it's easier to treat them and usually they have a better you know success rate uh with treatment and there's got to be something in there right and they started researching and just like it helps with your brain chemistry and there's just so many benefits to that you know uh, there's a challenge going right going on right now. It's the 52 hike challenge, and uh, basically they're they're saying to everybody, you know, try one hike a week for a year. And uh, the the definition of a hike is pretty you know easy. It's not something that you need to drive hours to get to like crazy mountains for. It's just you know it's so easy to start that I think everyone should at least. Experience it a little bit, and I I know that you know that. But you know, when you start doing it, then it's a bug. You catch it, and you can't stop.
0: Yeah, it's so much fun. I think to to meander through nature at a walking pace and just kind of start soaking it all up. You begin to see things and experience things that you totally miss, of course, in a car. On a bicycle, you see a lot more, but you still miss so much. And that's that's one of the reasons why I love hiking and backpacking. Is it slows you down. And, uh, you know, I, I forget what it was now, but there was a study done, and our listeners, several of them already know this study, and they could quote it, so maybe leave a comment, right? Let everybody know what I'm talking about here, because I don't remember where the study came from. But it was found that walking on uneven ground hugely reduces your chances of getting dementia. I was like, really? That's crazy. <laughs> but our, our minds, our bodies, were, were designed to move. We're not supposed to be sedentary. It, it Just being sedentary is more dangerous than a lot of really bad health habits. It's it's one of the worst things you can do is to be sedentary all the time. And that movement, actually, like you're saying, brain chemistry, man, it, it causes something to happen that is so healthy, not just for the body but also for the mind and for the emotions and for a positive mental outlook and everything else. So absolutely, man. I'm with you on that.
2: No, for sure. Uh, I mean – uh, that's, that's kind of the, that's the, kind of the underlying uh, drive uh, to, to my whole endeavor here, that, you know, uh, not to get too, you know, uh, philosophy or political, but I find that in this kind of neoliberalism society that's been built around us, uh, you know, you, you kind of have to perform, you have to show up, for for work you have you have to be a productive member of society but then you know in doing that you kind of forget that you know you're a creature of the world and you were meant to be out there you were meant to breathe clean air and you were meant to be moving so you like your your office from nine to five forty hours a week and then sitting in your car and then sitting in front of the tv it's just it's killing everyone slowly
0: yeah no doubt Especially I've seen in the United States the epidemic um, proportions of of obesity and sugar diabetes and and cardiovascular diseases, you know, heart disease and pulmonary Mm. diseases and all of these things that are addressed so well just by movement, you know, just by getting out and moving. So I think it's critical that people realize You know, it wasn't too long ago, maybe last generation, there were an awful lot of of people that did manual labor for a living, and and they always looked at the person with the air-conditioned office. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. Now, almost everybody has that air-conditioned office, and we need to get back out in the fields and work a little bit.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like there's this this way of dealing with that that everyone sort of uh, bought into that's like the indoor gym, the weightlifting gym. And, I mean, I've done that for a while. I did strongman training and I've lifted weights, you know, for the longest time. And I realized that, you know, even that, like, like that's that's not what we're supposed to move, you know. Like, it's not what we're built for. We're not built to lift weights, you know. Uh, it can help for some athletes to do that, uh, you know, increase their performance level. But if you're just, you know, Joe pen pusher then you know you don't need that you need to get outdoors you need to you know do some activities that are helping you develop your motor skills or you know your cardiovascular system and the the indoor gym is just not the way to do it so that's why i think you know to come back to your question you know hiking is just the the simplest form but definitely everyone should at least be doing something outside at least once a week
0: yeah i'm with you on that and We've had guests on the show that promote what they call urban hiking. So it doesn't mean you have to be, you know, in the mountains or some beautiful place to go hike. There are people who have found that just encountering their own city, you know, from the sidewalk has been kind of life changing. You see things that you just wouldn't see and experience things you wouldn't experience. And so people have drawn out elaborate routes through cities so that they can experience the city. And they, you know, you can put in a 20 mile day In the city, no problem, and have an amazing
2: experience. That's uh, absolutely right. I mean, I don't know. To me, it's kind of a no-brainer because I don't have a car, right? So I cycle or walk everywhere. Uh, But yeah, I mean, definitely, I know that there's a lot of people that live in the same neighborhood uh, as me, and they go with their car everywhere. So they're always asking me, you know, hey, where can I find a store that sells this? Or where can I find a restaurant, you know, this kind of restaurant? And I find out that I always know these answers, because I just walk everywhere, and I know my neighborhood. And um, so what would you say is like, let's do a top three here. What would you say your three uh, most favorite outdoor activities to do are?
0: Oh, you limited me to three. (laughs) I don't know. Well, okay,
2: let's go. (laughs) Let's go to five or 20. I don't care.
0: (laughs) The things that I do the most are mountain biking, mountaineering, climbing mountains, uh, do a fair amount of rock climbing. I do a lot of backpacking. I guess just in general, camping. So what did I say there? I said mountaineering, rock climbing, mountain biking, uh, alpine skiing. That's a big one for us. And snowshoeing. Uh, We do mountain climbing year round. So we like to do winter ascents as well. And so that involves all the winter sports skills too. So anyway, those are the big ones, I guess. I also scuba dive and and uh, have done a lot of road biking and adventure travel and you name it It just if it's outside john that's the bottom line if it's outside and i'm moving then i'm going to be having a good time
2: no to be sure to be sure yeah i just i just find that you know it's it's kind of an all-or-nothing community it's like there's there's the people that haven't tried it yet uh, or have tried it and have not liked it so they don't do any of it and there's you know everyone else that's like I want to try everything
0: and I've found that it kind of goes in waves you know you pick a sport that's maybe it's seasonal or maybe it's something new and you kind of pour yourself into it and it's so exciting and so much fun and then you gain a certain level of proficiency right mm. and skill and then something else catches your eye and it's like well maybe I should try that next but for me it depends on where I am and and the season you know as to what i'm going to be doing if i didn't live in the mountains then i would probably be doing a lot more scuba diving and sailing right i think that would just be a blast
2: right 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 yeah but i mean living in colorado you're you know you you've got access to some pretty you know some pretty awesome uh outdoor opportunities that you know there's not a lot of people that they they have that that's that's uh, that's a pretty uh uh wow you have to excuse my 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 French here. Uh yeah, it's a it's a pretty rad thing to have in your backyard.
0: Well, it's a real blessing to live here, and it's not without its challenges. Colorado's a very expensive place, and uh I had a friend that left Colorado and moved back to the coast. He lives on the Outer Banks of North Carolina now on an island, and he loves the ocean and sailing, but he said as he was leaving Colorado, the cover charge is just too high. Right. And I And I thought, yeah, it costs a lot to play here. It really does. And so that, you know, you have to see it for what it is. But you're correct. Colorado is wonderful. As far as mountains and scenic natural beauty and climate, Colorado has so much to offer. But I I want to say this to all of our listeners. I moved to Colorado when I was in college. And I had to move back to northeastern Oklahoma for almost two years to finish up there. And then I came right back to Colorado. But as I was leaving Colorado, I thought, wow, I'm, I'm leaving behind all the stuff that I've just grown to love so much. And it was kind of heartbreaking. But I said, you know what? I, I know that there's stuff to do back in Oklahoma, so I'm going to find it. People don't always think of Oklahoma as the adventure state. But I had more wonderful adventures there because I opened my eyes and saw what was there that I could do. And so the reason I tell that story is because I want our listeners to know you have sports you can do, you have adventures that you can do no matter where you are on the planet. If you just take advantage of what's in your area, you'll be really surprised. I mean, I had so much fun in Oklahoma doing adventure sports.
2: No, for sure. And I mean, even if you're, you know, in the heart of a city and you don't have a car and you can't access, you know, parks or uh, forests, uh, like you said, you know, it's just uh, adventure doesn't have to mean mountains, trees, or lakes or waterfalls. It just means that you have to, you know, try something new, I find.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anything that's new that takes you a little bit outside of your comfort zone is an adventure.
2: 100%.
0: And every adventure that I've been on has added something to my life, something valuable. Even if it's just a memory, I would rather have memories than stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I I try to collect memories, and uh, I love sometimes just to sit and remember all the different experiences with the the people that I had them with and and what it was like to be in this location or that location and and what went wrong and what went right. And, you know, when you take a, a little time just to remember and ponder that stuff, man, I get all fired up. I want to go do it again.
2: In my life, I've met a lot of wealthy people, and I've met a lot of dirt bags. And like one hundred percent, the dirt bags are happy all the time. And I mean, the wealthy people are happy too. Sometimes, you know, it's just it's much harder to find happiness in worldly possessions than it is to to, to find them in experiences. And you know, um, uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, life opportunities that that you take.
0: Oh, absolutely! I have a coffee table book that has a bunch of little quotes and some natural scenes. And here I go again, people. You're going to have to write in on our comments and and tell us who who said this because I don't remember the source. But the saying was so cool. It said, "It's extremely difficult to be satisfied with little, but to be satisfied with much is impossible." Right, right. <laughs> and so I think that there's something to that. You know, it might be slightly overstated, but probably not. Probably not.
2: No, I mean. There's something
0: to it for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, because that's that's another conversation that I always have with people, you know, that I definitely had with my parents. uh, When I, you know, basically there was this this life-changing event in my life where I went from having, you know, a big apartment uh, with a jacuzzi and, you know, and all that stuff. And I went from that to, you know, live in a little studio and, you know, be a lot more mindful about my money because I'm planning to do all these trips and all these activities. And, you know, I downsized my life so much. And I always have this this um, conversation where I go, okay so you've got the house, you've got the two cars, the golden retriever and the white picket fence. Why aren't you happy? What's missing there? And I'd say 80% of the time, you know, when you have the conversation for long enough, you find out that it's just, they have the stuff, but they, like, there's no life experience in there. They, they, they're just, you know, they have the stuff now, but there's no memories that go with them. There's no, you know, there's no life events to connect them emotionally to anything.
0: You know, it's kind of funny. It was tragic, but I read, a. An article many years ago in a in an adventure magazine it was probably backpacker but it was about a couple of guys they were touring around the planet and their dirt dirtbagging their way around you know and what they were surprised about is they would get somewhere where there are a lot of travelers and or i should say tourist actually there's a difference but people started saying well this backpack has been here here and here or or you know, this piece of gear has done this, this, and this. And they are like, wait a minute, what's what's the deal with your pack has been here? What about you? Yeah. <laughs> and so they had this crazy business idea where they offered to take people's gear on adventures and take pictures of <laughs> the gear in these exotic locations. Well, the reality was it became such a big business for them that they didn't have time to travel anymore because they had too much work to do wow. to take care of all of this gear. They had, they had a warehouse. It was packed with all the gear that people shipped them. Yeah, please take this backpack to, to Paris and take a picture in front of the Eiffel Tower for me, you know, that kind of thing. So wow. they, they got rich <laughs> doing that. Wait a minute. <laughs> this is confusing. Yeah. It's not about the stuff, you know. It's about the experience
2: yeah that that's crazy i mean it's ridiculous that maybe it's because you know of the life choices that i've made that i can't understand that at all but yeah i mean i got rid of the stuff so that i could go to the eiffel eiffel tower i don't want to buy stuff that's gonna go there without me that's that's so backwards
0: Hey friends, don't miss out on the family fun that is the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness this summer. Paragus Northwoods Company, located at the edge of the wilderness in Ellie, Minnesota, is a leading supplier of fun for families and friends in the Boundary Waters Wilderness. Paragus supplies the canoes and the camping gear that makes a wilderness adventure so easy and so enjoyable. Find them online at paragus.com. That's P-I-R-A-G-I-S dot com or pick up the phone and talk to their outfitting department at 1-800-223-6565. one 223 6565
3: The 180 Flame is the ideal alternative to bulky and fragile gas-burning camp stoves. The 180 Flame utilizes fewer parts with minimal weight and maximized reliability. The locking tab and slot design means there are no hinges, welds, or rivets to fill you in the field. Cook your food and boil water quickly using only small amounts of natural fuels including twigs, grass, pine cones, and leaves. Weighing just 6.4 ounces, the 180 Flame is the ideal alternative to a backpacking stove. You can find your new Flame at 180TAC.com or a retailer near you. 180 Flame. Think big, pack small.
0: Well, hey, tell us about the format for your podcast. Tell us more about that,
2: yeah, I mean every week I have someone uh on the show and I interview them for around an hour usually i've I've tried to to i try to focus on having a good balance uh, a good representation of everyone right? I try to have as many ladies as I have gentlemen, and I try to have as many weekend warriors you know. Uh, people who do amazing stuff while living, you know, an everyday life like everyone else. Because I, I think it's important to show that, you know, it's not because you're a mom and you've got two kids that you cannot be a mountain climber. Uh, there's are people out there that are doing it. And uh, I try to mix that with, uh, you know, high-level uh, athletes or adventurers because it's always inspiring to see, you know, the crazy feats they're doing. And definitely, you know, I got inspired by seeing, uh, you know, Kevin Jorgensen climb El Cap, uh, the Dawn Wall. So obviously I want to talk about that and I want to hear about that. I I want to try to report with these kind of people as well, but I want to keep a good balance. Uh, I'd say say I'm going for at least 50-50, but probably a little more on the, you know, everyday Joe type of uh, interview, because I find that's super inspiring.
0: You know, John, what happened with us, it was kind of funny to me. We started out just saying, you know, if someone is passionate about an adventure sport, then they can be a guest on our show mm. because that passion comes through and and people learn so much from hearing other people talk about what they love to do but over time we've had more and more people contacting us wanting to be on our show who are the professional athletes or the professional expedition people or the world class uh person in whatever sport that they're in right and it our show has had so many people like that and it's been it's been wonderful it's been an honor it's exciting to visit with them and we're going to continue that but i start trying to find people who are just kind of starting out in something and who are excited about it because I think that that's where most people are. Not everyone can spend a lifetime climbing eight thousand meter peaks right, you know what I mean right right and so it's fun to visit with people that are on the same page with with the rest of us
2: definitely i mean that's that's something I was discussing. I don't remember who with uh, my memory's terrible. I um, I was discussing that, uh, I think I heard it on another podcast, uh, and I was discussing with, uh, with a friend uh, that, you know, when you're a kid, you're being exposed to all types of new stuff and you always want to try something new. You know, if something's put in front of you that you don't know what it is, you're going to go towards it and you're going to at least investigate it and you're going to try it out most of the time. And eventually, you know, as you become an adult and as the pressure of performing is put on you you stop doing things for the first time. You, you eventually, you know, you need to get to work, you need to pay your bills, you need to, you know, do all the stuff that uh, is required of you and you don't do anything new anymore because the other stuff is so stressful that when you get home, the leisure time that you have, you want to spend it, you know, uh, relaxing and, you know, not being stressed or releasing that stress. And uh, I realized, you know, that it's funny because I found that, you know, doing new stuff and trying new adventures is the best way to release stress. So it's it's kind of funny that people, you know, want to come home and just watch TV and switch their brains off. And I find that, you know, that doesn't help with stress. It's just, you know, it's a coping mechanism. It's, you know, escapism maybe, but yeah. Uh so definitely getting people to start stuff for for to to start doing stuff for the first time again is one of my big goals with this.
0: Yeah, and that's that's a great goal. And in my experience, you know, the unknown is scary, not because it should be scary, but because we don't know enough about it. And it's hard to even just to take the first step. And I I've recently heard of a new philosophy when it comes to exercise and I think it applies to getting out there and having some fun, right? And that is, instead of saying, well, I want to hike 20 miles with a backpack and spend the night somewhere. That's, that's overwhelming for most people, yeah. That they'll, they'll never do it. Instead, you say, I'm going to grab my backpack and walk around the block. Or instead of saying, I'm going to do 50 push-ups, you'll never start. So you stop and you say, I'm going to do five push-ups. right. And when you start doing five, then you keep going. It's like, oh, well, that felt good. I'm going to do 10. And then you know, I'm going to keep going. That felt good. and So the point is taking the first step is sometimes the hardest part. It's actually standing up, turning off the television, opening the door,
2: and going. Right, right. And you don't have to figure it all out. You just got to start. Yeah, you know? that's right. And that's why I want to have you know the the you know the, the 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 moms that are you know being at around like forty sixers, like uh, my most recent guest. And I I want to have these kinds of people because I know that if when I started uh, researching you know activities to do, if I uh, if I re if I had if the only thing that I was exposed to was you know. Uh, high peaks and, uh, like, uh, level three and four hikes, uh, like grade and three and four hikes and everything, I would have been like, well, this is, you know, th- wow, this is very challenging. And I don't know if I'm ready for that, but then, yeah, if you expose them to no, look, the, the this is the way into it. And this is this person's experience starting with it. And this is where they're at now. Uh, it, it's much more relatable. I find
0: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So just out of curiosity, you uh, recently took up climbing, and you're really getting into it. How do you think climbing benefited you? You already told us about how biking and
2: hiking did, but
0: um, how would you recommend climbing to people who haven't done it before?
2: Oh, wow. That's a good one. Um, I think that uh, for me, my personal story with it is that um, I – I've done a lot of strength and conditioning in my life, and it's kind of thrown my body out of balance. I did it mostly because I had this 10-year career in security, and it was kind of the industry standard, right? You work out so that you look tough, and then you know people don't mess with you. Uh, and eventually I realized that it was, you know, my body was all out of whack. I had these imbalances in my muscle system and I had these joint problems and back problems and I didn't understand why. And, uh, I realized that I needed to stop doing the weightlifting and I needed to do something else that was beneficial to my body in a more functional way. Right. Sure. Okay. So I started cycling and I realized that my leg strength was going, you know, very, very well. And uh, I had this uh, this ability to, you know, go upstairs for, you know, 30 minutes without being out of breath. But then my upper body, I lost a lot of weight there because I wasn't lifting the weights anymore. And uh, bike is biking is very uh, notorious for making you lose muscle mass. So I needed something for the upper body and uh, after you know researching it quite a bit I realized that that was the perfect addition to what I was doing I wanted to you know cycle in the wilderness and I wanted to to hike mountains so rock climbing was just the perfect addition for you know the this upper body exercise that I wasn't getting anymore
0: Yeah I get that no doubt about it I was in the climbing gym with my My sons last weekend and had a great time, but I hadn't been climbing in a while. Man, it kind of, I did one, I guess it was just like a 5'8, may have been a 5'9, about a 40 foot wall. And I came down and my arms already felt shot. I couldn't believe it. You really gain a lot of stamina really quickly with with
2: climbing. Right, right. And you put on the kind of muscle that your body needs. And if you look at it, you don't lose it. Like it's not the kind of muscle that just, it's not, uh, I'm going to get way too technical here, if you let me. Uh, it's not the sarcoplasmic type of muscle that bodybuilders get, right? Where it's basically your muscles are full of fluid, but they're not really strong. It's the kind of muscle that's super dense and that's easy to carry and that's functional. So you you realize eventually that, wow, I can, you know, I couldn't even do one chin up at a bar, that's, that's pretty bad. You know, that's uh that's a pretty significant imbalance and, sure. you know, climbing just helps you with that so much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love climbing for the adventure of it too. And I've always been an outdoor climber, but I do enjoy climbing gyms because you can get so much more climbing in and learn so much skill so quickly. So I've really enjoyed doing that. My daughter's just gone crazy on climbing and, and, uh, He's becoming very skilled at it, so it's always fun. It doesn't matter what the sport is. It doesn't matter where you do it, indoors, outdoors, really. If you're out there doing something that challenges you and stretches you a little bit, it's going to benefit you, you know? For Maybe sure, it really is.
2: for sure, and it's going to open doors to a world of opportunities that you never knew existed.
0: Well, oh, you bet, and congratulations on your show of Mountains and Men. So people can find that at ofmountainsandmen.com, is that right?
2: That's right, of mountains uh, And, yeah, I mean, uh, I release shows every week, so on Tuesdays, so check it out.
0: Yeah, well, hey, we release on Mondays and Thursdays, so if they listen to you on Tuesdays, and we have three of the days covered, so that's awesome.
2: <laughs> there you go, yeah, no, definitely. And, I mean, you download all of them, and then when you go on your first adventure this weekend, you've got, like, three hours of stuff to listen to. There you go.
0: Yeah, you bet. And I just kind of want to... Share with our listeners, John, the reason why we interview people that also have podcasts is because we feel like it's all about the message and it's all about helping the listeners get to uh, to enjoy the variety that they want and to learn more about things. And, and it, we don't see it as a competition. No, you it's, know, we see it as a collaboration. It's a community,
2: so. to be sure. We're part of the same community. I mean, yeah, I, I, definitely, uh, I definitely I definitely I'm behind that for sure.
0: So I tell all of our listeners, jump over on on John's side and listen to some of his shows, but remember where you came from and come back and (laughs) and keep on being loyal fans of the Adventure Sports Podcast.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. Hey, uh, And I'm going to say to my listeners, you know, definitely go and check out the Adventure Sports Podcast. It's a great show, and they always have the, the coolest guests.
0: Well, man, it's been really great visiting with you today, and I wish you all the best with your show
2: so yeah no it, it was really really cool talking with you uh, kurt uh, thanks for having me on
0: hey thank you so much for listening in today hope you enjoyed the show please do tell your friends about the adventure sports podcast and remember get out there and have some fun